All right, guys, a uh, lot to talk about today, but before we do, want to tell you, of course, about our friends at Cozy Jewelers, family owned and operated, located in the heart of Newtown Square in the Edgemont Shopping Center. Uh, Cozy Jewelers is the place to go this holiday season if you want to get that special something for your special someone. They have a terrific selection. They are a certified Movado watch dealer. And of course, they have custom diamond engagement rings. And they also have a special offer for Crossing Broadcast listeners and Crossing Broad readers. If you are in the market to get engaged, whether that's now the holiday season or sometime in the new year and you're just starting the process of looking at rings, go to Cozy. If for nothing else, just go there and let them walk you through the process. They'll tell you how they source their diamonds. They'll walk you through the four Cs. They'll explain to you the process of getting a custom um, diamond engagement ring built for your significant other. You know, Trust me, it, it can be a little bit daunting from the start. Those guys will walk you through the process. Better yet, if you buy the ring there, uh, if you buy a women's custom diamond engagement ring, you will get a free men's cobalt wedding band, which, trust me, is something that you might not be thinking about when you propose and then realize you have to buy, oh, yeah, there's more rings after the fact. Knowing that you'll have that for free from the folks at Cozy is, is you know, kind of well worth going there. Also, um, you know, it's the holiday season. They're super accessible in Newtown Square, uh, super easy to get to. You could see more online, Cozy Jewelers, C-O-Z-Z-I Jewelers.com. That's Cozy, C-O-Z-Z-I Jewelers.com. Tell them we sent you. It helps them. It helps us. And, uh, you know, thanks to them for sponsoring uh, the podcast and also Anthony Sanfilippo's Flyers content on the website. So uh, thanks, Cozy, and uh, on with the show. Did you guys see that Lil Wayne was a little bit of a, uh, I don't know, he's a brilliant man. He What he said is relevant today. What did he say, Kyle? Do you guys have any idea what I'm talking about? I saw the tweet. Yes. He's I've been... Wayne. He's not Lil anymore. <gasps> this is like Lil Bow Wow becoming Bow Wow. couple no, of guys. Lil Bow Wow has become irrelevant. Oh, couple of guys have tweeted me this. CNN put out a tweet last night. There has been a sharp drop in teen births in 2007. And then someone retweeted that. Whether they were trying to be funny or not, their tweet has gone viral. Uh, Lil Wayne said, you better wear a latex because you don't want that latex, that I think I'm latex in 2007. Shake my head. This is not a coincidence. So Lil Wayne may have solved the, uh, you know, pre- the teen birth e- epidemic. What a, what a guy. Way to go, Lil Wayne. That song is relevant in so many ways. That song will—it's like—it's timeless. We're gonna look back at that song in a hundred years. Nope. And it, what he says is gonna be relevant. For us with so. the nope. Not all heroes wear capes. Just hey. telling you, it's nice to see that song getting its due recognition today. I—I am thrilled that 2017 will go out with Lil Wayne getting a little little credit for that. Thank God, Lil Wayne needed some credit. Guys, his name is Wayne. He's Wayne. now a truck. He's now a truck driver. <laughs> when you think of Wayne, top three professions that you think of go. I've got truck driver, plumber, and maybe plumber's Sp- a good one. Spittoon oh. cleaner. Ooh. What was yeah. the song with Justin Bieber that Lil Wayne was just in? Um, over the summer. Like what was one of the big songs of the songs of the summer? I don't remember. Despacito. No, no not Despacito. That? There's another one. Um, it was one of the big... Lollipop, lollipop. No. Lollipop 2. Uh, hold on. This so how about those... Uh... I was listening to it the other day. 
Oh, I'm the one. DJ Cali's I'm the one. It's got Justin Bieber. It's got Lil Wayne. His verse in I'm the one. Just go listen to it. Another more pure brilliance. I was blasting it in the car the other day. Blasting it. Man. That's all I got. You think as highly about Lil Wayne as LeBron thinks about Carson Wentz. Damn. Yeah. Have we talked ourselves into Nick Foles yet? Nope. Yeah, where are you guys? I'm... I'm I'm pa- if there was a meter if it was like that New York Times election meter that everybody was tweeting about last night with the, uh, the child rapist from Alabama who thankfully didn't win if I'm that meter I'm Wait, like oh more lost yeah yeah what yeah. yeah oh I didn't keep up with that I the meter was getting close if I'm that meter I'm like slightly past fifty percent now like leaning in favor of Foles. Not being better than Wentz, but like my meter has moved past the halfway point of like, all right, I've talked myself into this sufficiently. Seventy percent of the people that tweet me about Nick Foles are commenting on the size of his penis. When did this when did this become a thing? A few years ago, uh, there was an email I think to Barstool uh, that unearthed him having a huge hog at Arizona wherever he played. Man. I feel like the report, I feel like the Inquirer should have been doing a deep dive on that. You know, speaking of like weird deep dives, and this isn't this isn't an aside, but it's it might not be out of the realm of possibility. Um, you remember the Doug Peterson rumor, obviously, with the Chiefs. So what was that? there was uh, that he was uh, that he was nailing like his assistant in Kansas City oh, and Andy. Yes. Reed. So. There's a Philly Mag article about him and the Eagles a few months ago, early in the season, and they actually looked into that. We, I didn't post the rumor. I think like, I think we sort of put like a take this with a grain of salt sort of post. But I guess the reporter who was working on that story actually called me and was like, "Hey, do you know if there's anything to this rumor?" Like they were actually investigating that because they thought it would have been relevant if like Lori got duped into hiring him. This is before the season started. So that's kind of where we were on Peterson, like actual reporters investigating whether or not he was hired because of like a weird sex thing that the Eagles didn't know about. Um, that has nothing to do with Nick Falls, but, you know, well, sometimes those things get investigated. It's not it's not totally unsurprising that somebody related to the Eagles would, you know, have issues with uh, with sexual allegations. Number five will always love you. Oh yeah, shit. That's that was. By the way, like I, I know most people have probably seen this by now. Have heard it. If not, there are two good write-ups on the website. One by Kyle, who gave the uh, the kind of write-up I would expect. Nothing more, nothing less. And Phil Kaidel, who wrote the. Uh, it was very good. He wrote. He, he wrote. He wrote a, a very nice longer piece, uh, taking the entire um, NFL Network debacle. Um, There's multiple employees of the NFL Network that are being accused of sexual misconduct. Multiple people right now are put on leave, including Marshall Falk, Ike Taylor, Donald McNabb, Heath Evans. Donald McNabb, obviously relevant because he's Donald McNabb. What was the name of the guy who's the president of uh, of the the Ringer Ringer group? Like Winnemoyer or something like that? Runs the entire Ringer president. I think he was the executive vice president at NFL Network or something like that. Yes, yeah, so Kyle, uh, what was your take? Weinberger. Weinberger, okay. Uh, no, I, I'm a couple of things. Um, I'm not shocked that McNabb is the sort of guy to spell come with the U, but capitalize it just in case she didn't notice that it was not the proper spelling. Um, he did that twice. So uh, not surprised. I actually heard from Wait, Lil Wait, he Bur- texted her what? You didn't? Did you see the text? 
No. Oh, okay, so the text, according to the lawsuit, uh, this is the, the salient part from the lawsuit. Let's Quote, put the warning if anybody's listening with their kids. Uh, okay, it's well, if, the, if they are, they got problems. because we're If you're listening people. with your children, your children are about to learn something. So this is from the lawsuit. Not all of this is a McNabb quote. You'll you'll pick up where. Quote, including but not limited to asking plaintiff if she was a, quote, squirter. Oh, yeah, telling Telling plaintiff she, quote, looked like the kind of girl that squirted when getting fucked, unquote. Quote, come, C-U-M, capitalized, to dinner with me. And, quote, why don't you come, C-U-M, capitalized, over after work. I He is the guy who would capitalize that. Just... Just to oh, hammer home the point. Oh, wait, do you know that he's the you know he's responsible for that part? Yes, oh, yeah. those are the McNabb texts. Oh. Yeah, those are the ones. Alleg- allegedly. What Interestingly enough, that's do? not that's not even remotely close to the top of the list. Really? Like, more, yeah, like oh, she they reassigned her to um like the the men's restroom or something like Storage that. Storage like, B. And Warren Sapp walked in and I guess had to pee and she was standing in there and she yelled for him to leave and he's like, Well, it's not my fault that your office is, is an R crapper. And like that even like he apparently had bought her some inappropriate stuff for Christmas. Three um, years running. And and like multiple guys had pushed her against a Here's, wall and demanded that like it, it was really the, bad. The, the quick and dirty. The quick and dirty. Uh Falk straight up this is from my post, but Falk straight up pulling out his dick. Eric Davis telling her he wanted to choke her until she quote begged him to stop. Uh, Heath Evans uh, texting her that he wanted to go in, quote, deep and hard. Warren Sapp taking a piss in front of her, and he bought her sex toys. Uh, I also think it was it was either Cantor or Falk. Like, there was a combination. I think it was Eric Davis. So Sorry, not Cantor. I think it was Eric Davis who, like, pulled his pants down and just whipped it out. And, that was like, Falk. What are they Falk? accusing I'm the yeah, rare guy I'm, of I'm most, he was He had, like, told her to meet him in different stairwells that he needed certain things from her i don't understand like i work with a lot of women pants yeah if i'm walking down the hallway and i accidentally bump into a woman i'm like holy shit i'm so sorry like excuse me i just couldn't can you ever imagine doing any of these things nope what no (laughs) and like i think it was falk and it might have been eric davis as well had been accused of like groping her and fondling her just yeah. Instead of saying hello, right. yeah, one of them I, I walked in and like their like, hello was what, a, a fondle. What is so, wrong? So, what was your big takeaway with McNabb after his texts? He sounds like he's the texter of the group. He just becomes more yeah, unlikable no. every passing day that he does not play for the team. He just makes himself more and more I, I, unlikable, and also like oddly the face of issues in the country. DUIs and now sexual harassment. What's next? I I got a. Email from Lil Birdie on this very topic. Didn't post it tweet, on the website. Tweet, 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 tweet. Ooh, but, podcast exclusive, Birdie yeah, Files. The, pod, the podcast seems like a good spot for this. So he yeah. said, none of this comes as a surprise. McNabb was notorious. I'm not. I'm paraphrasing here. I don't know in front of me, but I read it twice yesterday. McNabb was known for this sort of thing when he was here. He made a, not that he was ever like hands-on or violent or touchy right. with anyone, but he made a pass at basically everyone in the building. And it was like not a run, it was a, basically a running joke that when they would hire new people, they would say, you know, especially girls, especially cheerleaders, stuff like that. They say, stay away from the players. Uh, but like, particularly Donovan McNabb, he's gross. And oh, yeah. 
there was a story at the Christmas party where his wife was with him, and while his arm was around his wife, he tasked one of his offensive linemen, who uh, yet to four hair tail shall go unnamed, to try and recruit interns to party with him later. John Wellborn? Uh, uh, that I won't say. But, uh, yeah, so um, he was he was apparently Jermaine, uh, Jermaine Mayberry. Known for this. Trey you Thomas? Can, you can keep guessing. Bubba Hank Fraley. Mi- Hank Fraley. Uh, Bubba Miller? Now, would it be Hank Fraley? Isn't he the? Didn't he accuse him of the puking or no? Wasn't that like Fraley who? That was him it? turning. Yeah. Well, whatever. Um, but yeah, apparently McNabb was like known for just being gross and like in a, like saying inappropriate things to like every woman in the building. All right. So Sounds what like other a Runyon thing? What other uh, kind of? <laughs> I guess like we we I think did predictions on media people. Who's the next former athlete to get accused in Philadelphia? Mm, Pat Runyon feels like a good one. Now, Pat, no, now. No, let's go with on air personality. Somebody who's on Utley. like a. I will be so. Did you hear Russ's, the noise that came out of Russ? Utley would be really sad. No, see, here's the thing. I Like, current, or, you know, not current athletes. The reason these NFL network guys, I said this to my wife yesterday, the reason these NFL network guys are getting pointed out is because, you know, athletes just have crazy, ridiculous lives. Right. You know, like their their weekends and free time is way different than ours. So guys like Utley, like, you know, I know they're married whatever, whatever those guys do on the road and at bars, like it's stuff that, you know, we can't even fathom in terms of like since since high school and then college. Like I've heard stories about like, you know, D1 basketball players that would, you know, obviously blow your mind, but but really not. The reason these NFL guys are getting caught is because now they become employees in a semi-corporate environment at the NFL Network. And the stuff they do, like, out in their personal lives that is just sort of, like, acceptable, you know, with the people they're hanging out with and the groups of girls they're hanging out with and the hangers-on, like, that is not acceptable in the workplace. Most of these things, maybe a couple of the things in the NFL Network, as Phil said— could potentially be crimes, but most of them are not crimes. Most of them are like workplace sexual harassment, which is different. So like, you know, baseball players going out on the road and getting threesomes and nailing chicks in bathrooms, like those are, you know, for the most part, you know, it's consenting adults. Like you can't do that stuff in the workplace. You're actually a little spot on. I'll never forget the first month that Sims was at Bleacher Report. And he walked out of an office, and he was like, "Mother f- pants." No, he he's always had pants on, but he he was like he was like motherfucker something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yo, Sims, like, chill, dude. Like, we just got HR. Like, this was like four years ago." He's like, "We just got HR." Yeah. And he goes, he goes, "What's HR?" And I go, "Shut up." I go, "You know what HR?" He goes, he goes, he goes, "We didn't have fucking HR in the NFL. What does that mean?" I was like, "Well, that's the person that makes sure that everyone like feels comfortable at work, and they're not like." And he's like, "Are you fucking kidding me? We had that fucking bullshit." I was like, "No." And like, it's a running joke that like Sims will walk around the office and just say shit that you're like, "You can't say that." But Sims is also like, like he's always coming from a good place to where it's always fun. But it's, I could see someone not understanding corporate culture, but I could also, not, like, whipping out your dick, you'd be like, oh, didn't know that wasn't allowed. Like, come on. Like, that's ridiculous. But No, totally, totally, yeah. totally. But, like, you do that if you're with a, you know, a group of consenting girls. Like, right. believe me, I've heard plenty of stories about athletes, like, in bars. Like, basically, the girls you're hanging out with, like, it's who gets to ride so-and-so tonight. And, like, that, that is, those are things that happens. Like, whips it out and... 
you know, that yeah. girl's your partner for the next five minutes. Like, you know, the workplace is different, but there it's just such a hard transition for right. those guys. It's about a time and place. And there's a lot of things that don't make sense. Like kind the of Irish like pub men's room. The, interesting. That sounds very oh, weirdly specific. <laughs> sounds like you have a birdie story for us. I was going to say it's just, you know, it's uncommon to see things like a 7-2 center almost having a triple-double and an overtime win and, and making mm-hmm. great passes. Mm-hmm. I'm Russ, just, I'm just sitting you, over here after two wins last night by Philadelphia teams. Mm. You know, have you talked yourself the, off the, the, the soul ledge, win? Russ? No, the Flyers won. Oh. The Flyers have now won four straight. Who coached, Hackstall or Hextall? Hackstall. Hextall okay. is still, you know, not a coach. Okay. But they've, they've won four straight, which makes them even more frustrating than normal. Um, Sixers win last night was really interesting. Man, why oh, was I it interesting? I never, answered, I never answered your question, by the way, about Foles. But, uh, oh, what was your answer? I'm, I'm going to be the one person. I'll be the stick in the mud. I'll be the curmudgeon. I don't believe in Nick Foles. I think Nick will do an okay job. I think that you know they obviously just need to win two of the next three games to lock up home field advantage. And I think if they do that, then I think they have a decent shot. But if you're going to ask me honestly, do I think that an Eagles team led by Nick Foles coming off a bye can beat the Packers with Aaron Rodgers if that were the scenario to shake out? The answer is no. And I don't care that it's at home. Now, if, you, if you give, me, if you give me practically anybody else, fine. I have that weird kind of the- sinking feeling about the Packers the same way that – wasn't it the Giants that got hot one year at the end – the and Packers they, they, got a hot one off. year with Rodgers. Yeah, so I'm just saying, like, I, I could see this happening. And I don't think at that point, you know, we always make the, the argument, it's always out there that, you know, once you hit the playoffs, regular season records don't matter, blah, blah, blah. Well, I, I'd rather trust a team that has Aaron Rodgers going into that matchup than I, I would Nick Foles. I think Nick is a decent quarterback. I think there's a reason that he's a backup. I've seen so many people on Twitter trying to rationalize this whole thing and say that, you know, it's more than just one player, and I think that, uh, like, Doug's press conference was awesome, uh, and, and he really did sound like he was doing it more for the players and the fans than anybody else, but, you know, I have to be honest, when I'm when I'm listening to him talk about them overcoming the loss of a Hall of Fame left tackle, a possible Hall of Fame running back, a great, you know, young middle linebacker, you know, they've overcome it, the number one reason they've overcome it is their franchise quarterback, and I don't necessarily feel like it's doing him a service to kind of sit back and, and say that I think, you know, Nick can do it. I think Nick can help them manage games, win two of the last three, but, you know, I'm not penciling them into the NFC Championship. And if that's if that's me being super negative, that's fine. But there's also that realist in me that, you know, if they don't finish with home field advantage throughout the playoffs, I don't think this goes past one round. And that's me. Kyle, do you want to go or should I? Um, I was just going to resp- – you could go for – I just wanted his Packers thing. Like, they scare me. I mean, I don't want no parts of Aaron Rodgers, and I hate the fact that he's coming back and you might have to get them in, like, your first playoff game potentially. But of all the teams in the conference that I'd be worried the most about, I think the Packers would be least yeah, Rodgers like coming off. Yeah, a throwing injury shoulder. They're, they're not good overall. Like, he yeah, is their, their whole team. Stinks. Yeah, yeah. I would say uh, two things. One uh, – Russ, naturally, I'm realizing, is a contrarian, and I love that about Russ. As we, we as we ebb and flow one way, he ebb and flows the other way, and I get it. Russ's opinion is 
the most accurate, which is I doubt that they can do this without Carson Wentz. That is accurate. And what's happened, I think, is because we all had such a that Sunday was such an emotional roller coaster. We're now, you know, we've we've gone through the five stages of grief. We are now in acceptance. And now I think a lot of people are saying, you know what? No, I'm going to be filled with confidence because that's what happens. I think naturally we look at the Eagles and go, they, they can't do it as far. My sliding scale of expectations is now if the Eagles were to win the NFC Championship game, that's what I would get excited about. I no longer expect this. I don't know if Nick Foles can win a Super Bowl, but if they were to somehow get a home field advantage and beat some combination of Rams, Panthers, or Saints, Vikings, that to me is so incredible that Nick Foles would be able to do that, that I would find that to be insanely successful. Um, I think with the schedule, I think beating the Raiders and Giants is very attainable. And I think if they were to get a home field advantage, I'd be filled with a lot of excitement. I don't know if you guys saw the post-game speech from Doug Peterson and the rallying cry from Malcolm Jenkins. That is the reason why I still have hope. Malcolm Jenkins ended his speech by saying, we need to win ugly from here on out. I don't care how pretty it is. And there's a lot of guys that are like, yeah, this is the new team. It needs to be a power running team with a defense that is very sturdy. I think they need to kind of drop the wide nine. I think they need to play just kind of straight up and let Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham beat up people. And I think we're going to learn something about Doug Peterson and not just about clock management. They need to come out very creative. They really need to go in, and I hope the coaching staff, I hope he's saying publicly we're the same team because that's what the team needs to hear. But I hope inside the meeting rooms they're going, we need to take up this play calling to another level and get very creative to make up for the fact that we don't have the the magic eraser. And the last thing I'm going to say is, when it comes to Carson Wentz, I don't know how many mistakes he was covering up with his play. Like, we're going to learn a lot more about our O-line when we don't have a guy that can elude every sack. So I hope they do some play calling. I hope the O-line can figure it out because at the end there when Samelo and and then we're trying to block, it was a little bit scary. But I really hope Doug dials up some new shit. Few things here. One, where was the video of Peterson's speech? The I Eagles posted it. Yeah, I saw when? it on the Eagles one. I saw it last night, so I don't know yeah, when it uh, came out. But Peterson was standing on a chair and then was talking about how great of a win was. He really didn't even address Carson Wentz, and then Jenkins talked a little bit about Carson, but just talked about winning ugly. It was a, it was a good yeah, quote. Wow, how did we miss that? Um, okay, I, I so think, I think it was dropped in our Slack. I think it was dropped in general Slack. By I didn't see it, Bob. There. I want to say. Fuck! How does no one post that? I missed it. Um, anyway, uh, so here's the thing on on the whole like expectation thing, because I, I agree with both of you. Um, the on one hand, you have to ask yourself. Like, okay, in, if you were to say, is Nick Foles going to lead a team to the Super Bowl? The answer is, is probably no. But then you have, to, you have to reframe it and say, okay, what do the Eagles have to do to make the Super Bowl? And fortunately, and again, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not penciling them in anymore. And this is now becoming a long shot. But fortunately, they've, 
done a lot of the work of getting there already by virtue of being 11 and 2 at this point. They've all but, I mean, there's a real good chance they're going to wind up with home field. Winning two of the final three with Foles is totally, totally within the realm of possibility. They're they're eight-point favorites on Sunday. Um, You know, Vegas hasn't seemed to pivot off them that much. They're a well-rounded team. So they're most likely going to get the home field advantage. So then you have to say, all right, what does Nick Foles have to do to make the Super Bowl? And the answer is probably win two games at home. Um, The teams that scare me most are probably the Saints at this point. And the Vikings, by the virtue of their defense, to Adams, you know, you could do your victory lap now. The Vikings um, do not scare me as much as the Packers. Well, see, the Russ is leading into a lot of the folklore. And I understand that Aaron Rodgers is scary, but, like, the Vikings are so much better than the Packers. The Packers, and the are Packers just might not, not even make the playoffs. I just right. think that the front four, I think the Eagles front four would eat Case Keenum alive. But, but right, yeah, okay, but that's fair. But the Packers aren't like they're just not a good team. Um, I mean, and you're going to be relying on Aaron Rodgers coming off a pretty pretty nasty throwing shoulder. Yeah, injury. think I about mean, this sentence: Without Aaron Rodgers, the Packers are barely better than the Browns. In fact, almost lost. That's the roster. But the problem is, is that they have the greatest quarterback of all time. But the roster itself stinks. So regardless, you got to win two yeah. games. Let's say it's you know Saints and Vikings or whatever, it, you know that is within the realm of possibility of a backup quarterback. The Eagles are not the Packers in that as good as Wentz is, as much as he deserved the MVP, and I know there's this like meta debate going on right now. Well, like how can you say he deserved the MVP if the Eagles are well rounded and still good without him? Like shut up. Like it's it's like you're playing semantics with the phrases at that point. The Eagles are like their defense. They have a top ten defense, a top ten special teams, a top ten running game. They're very well rounded. This isn't the beginning of last year where there was like fool's gold. We've talked about this notion on here. They're just good, and Wentz made them potentially great. You lose that, it sucks. But they can, they're well like Nick Foles. It's well within his abilities and the team's abilities to win two home playoff games. Um, we did a post late yesterday. This is from the guys at Sports Insights who are, you know, the the like analytical gambling advisors, not like the charlatans, like like deep dives on the data. They consulted a bookmaker, and he said, as of today, if the Eagles were to play a home playoff game, they would be favored in, against every other NFC opponent, granted by about three points less than had they had Wentz, with Minnesota being a push. So no team at home, as of today, according to one bookmaker, thinks the Eagles would be an underdog. So, like, so he had the, Wentz as a three-point value is what I took there, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what they do is they they have tiers for quarterbacks. So right. Wentz yeah, because Rodgers is a seven, right? Or a six, right? I so I think Wentz was uh, flirting with that tier six. They said he's worth about three to four points. Damn. Is the way the way they phrased it. So regardless, like it, you know, I'll take those odds. Is the point? Like, is Nick Foles going to carry you to a Super Bowl throughout the course of a season? No, but can he win two home games as not an underdog? Well, right. well certainly. And, you know, forget about Super Bowl. Like, the, I agree with you, Adam. If they get there this season, like, that, that is a success. Yeah, that's that said, incredible. Jay Cutler just beat the Patriots. <laughs> right. Oh, dude, that was when I went, oh, shit, they might have a chance. And I will say this. This reminds me so much of the Raiders last year. They were, like, 11-2. and two. Derek Carr broke his leg. And I remember going, 11-2, and two, how's anyone going to catch him? And they looked Matt McGloin and all that. It did not work out well, and they dropped down a few spots. Um, 
I think the schedule for the Eagles these next two games really lines up perfectly to lock up the home field and figure this shit out. And I know you're a Matt McLuhan guy, but Foles is significantly better than either of the two guys the Raiders rolled out there. He is, and and he's familiar. And and the Raiders' offense, people didn't realize, it really was Derek Carr making a lot of throws. The Eagles' running game is a lot better than what Latavius Murray was doing last year. Right. It was basically just Carr slinging it to Amari Cooper last year. Right. Um, One other thing on Foles, I saw someone point this out. The top three teams... In the East right now, Eagles, well, besides the Saints, but Eagles, Vikings, and Rams, three of the top four teams, quarterbacked by Nick Foles, Case Keenum, and Jared Goff. All three of those guys have played for Jeff Fisher over the course of the last two years. All three of them stunk with Jeff Fisher. All three, now, all right, Foles hasn't done anything yet, but Keenum and Goff are, you know, significantly better without Fisher in their new roles. So, like, I'm, I'm not trying to, like, find, the you know, creep to find the silver lining here but other than that one horrific year with the rams i mean Foles has been pretty respectable obviously there's 2013 2014 he was not very good with the eagles he had i think a slight almost negative or close to 50 50 touchdown to interception ratio but the eagles were also in a playing for a bye week until he got hurt and they went to sanchez the eagles were winning i forget what the record was. i think they were like eight and was it nine and three when he went out? Like, All it, I had to see was that throw on the third down. Was it to Alshon that he put it perfectly? Mm-hmm. Like if he could make those throws that are the, hey, we didn't get it on first and second. We need your help on third. If he could make a few of those, we're going to be good. Like it really just comes down to I need the second half Eagles defense or the fourth quarter Eagles defense, not the third quarter Eagles defense. And Ajay and Clement need to be, you know, ballers. And then, yeah, just, man, they have a chance. They do. And, and not, to, like, not to play correction here. The the receiver who caught it was Nelson Aguilar. Oh, you're right. Was, Thank you. Which was, you know, if nothing else like that, I think has kind of gone as this unsung hero of the season is – the way that he's bounced back massively and exceeded all of our expectations. No longer are we, you know, considering the the preseason narrative about is anybody going to be able to replace oh, Jordan dude. Matthews? There are so you know many what I mean? stories. Like, How about the storyline that we used to joke all the time about? You think this is Zachary's breakout year, and it ended up being Zachary's breakout year. Sure was. I mean, look, regardless of how the season pans out. And how it finishes. It has been fun. There, there, it's been a fun year, and there have been plenty of guys that have stepped up in big moments for the team. And like it, it does really Pat, help to establish. Patrick them. Robinson was a good one. How about like most of that secondary? Yeah, I don't Patterson, want to. Robinson, Darby Mills, me. Mills was good. Like, I, so I don't, good. I don't want to go for the like whole win one for the Gipper, you know, moral victory thing yet. Like, I, I there's, yeah. there's, you know, and. I don't know. There's still something to be played. And the, the, the other thing, like the last thing on Foles is like, all right, or Foles, 2013, he's not 2013 Foles, but he's also probably not the guy who almost played himself out of the league with the Rams, who's right. the most fresh in our minds. And, you know, again, that guy, the, the guy in the middle there definitely can win two home, home games with the Eagles as a, as a push or a favorite. Like that's, that's the way you got to look at this, I think. Uh, Russ, why did you say the Sixers win was interesting? It was interesting because they they fell behind. They went in the fourth quarter. They had an zero for ten stretch, and then guys that you would hope would step up finally did. JJ hit a three. Then he goes back down the floor on the next possession, comes off a screen, pops another two. 
Rashawn goes up for an and one, buries the free throw. Like Dario hit two threes coming down uh, at, at the end of that game. I continue to do these like dives into Joel versus Dario and where they take shots on the floor. But Joel on two occasions collapsed the defense. A double team came. He recognized it, which he hasn't been doing a good job with all season. Uh, for the most part. There are times that he works his way out of it, but he's often late to recognize the double coming over. And passed it out to Dario, who buried two threes. Dario looked like the player that we kind of hoped he would be uh, last night, the player that we saw in his rookie year. Uh, they go to overtime, and, and in the overtime period, they took over. Uh, and, and a lot of this was, I think it was five minutes left in the fourth quarter, Joel picked up his fifth foul. And so for him not to foul out of that game and to, to really play crucial moments, he hit the dagger three in overtime. It was just interesting to see, you know, the guys that you needed to step up, step up. Redick especially. Like, he started hitting shots. They were down, I think, eight in the fourth quarter, and, and they, you know, they mounted a, a big comeback. That Minnesota team is, I, I have to imagine that watching them every night is one of the more frustrating things that you can do as an NBA fan. They're often called, like, a league pass team. But, like, Carl Towns' defense, this is a thing that's been on the national stage at this point. Carl Towns' defense has been borderline garbage. And he's playing under Tom Thibodeau, who's, you know, this defensive wizard. Jimmy Butler kind of also did the stuff that you would expect him to do. I think he hit two threes late in the game that even pushed it to overtime. It was a fun game. Like, even if you only picked it up in the fourth quarter, it was a fun game to watch. But they are they are also mind-numbingly frustrating to watch, them being the Timberwolves uh I don't know (laughs) I don't know if I have anything to add uh let me just say really quick all right I was just happy that the Sixers like to watch some of those Jimmy Butler threes the end of the game and the fact that the Sixers ended up winning there's just been this like flow of Sixers games this year where they start off hot and then their second team has to play a lot and then the fourth quarter the other team just kind of pulls away like the Cav games, the Warrior games are perfect examples. And you have like shit like Jay Crowder hitting threes. And you're like, come on, you haven't hit anything all game. And for them to actually figure out a way to pull it out and to see a reverse two-man game in overtime twice of Embiid finding Simmons down low instead of the other way around. And then Embiid so confidently taking a three in overtime that really put it out of reach. He's just... He really does step it up, I feel like, when there's a personal matchup. So when it's the Lakers and it's it's Lonzo in L.A., he drops what he drops. When it's against Carl Anthony Towns and it's like two unicorns going up against each other, he does it. He just, he really steps up in those important moments. And Simmons gets buckets, like even if he's cold the whole game in those clutch times, it is, man, to get those wins on the road, too. It's it's good to see, because I was worried about it for a while. Yeah, I'm there's, just happy there's maybe, healthy, to be honest. Okay. Like, nothing else. That back injury. I, I don't think, like, my emotions could have handled, a, like, concurrent Embiid and Wentz injuries. So, the fact that he's healthy and looked great last night is, like, the I, win or lose is the only thing I cared about. Right. Yeah, and that's I, fair. I, Especially after their little uh, news dump. The uh, what? The when they dumped that he was hurt right after the Carson Wentz injury. You know, I I spent an uh, unhealthy amount of time trying to think about whether that was like diabolically intentional. Because one, 
30 up until 30 minutes before that they no one had any idea Wentz was injured so did the Sixers know he was going to miss the game and they were just going to wait until game time knowing that game time was directly in the middle of the biggest Eagles game of the season and that no one would notice or was it literally the thing like all right last minute he can't go and then it just so happens that Wentz gets hurt at the same moment and like literally no one notices I'm not sure my guess is that they probably knew the Eagles were playing and they figured we're just going to wait until game time because the world will be preoccupied, which is, that's just a guess. I don't know that, but it's, uh, you know, it's diabolically brilliant. Um, you know, I'd probably do the same thing if I was in their shoes. Let me just say one, um, one let thing that, let, let me just say, let me just there's, say, there's do a one, remix. Let me just say, let me just say, okay, you do it and I'll just lay down the beat behind it. Let me just say. Okay, I don't know. Go ahead. That was that was beautiful. Oh, was yeah. that Scott? Um, yeah, he's got one, a weird lumber just go ahead. One thing that I've been a little bit fascinated by this year is Joel Embiid's percent uh, percentage of his field goals made on unassisted plays versus assisted. Uh, he's making forty eight point six percent of his shots unassisted. Which, in some ways, you would expect, because if, if you're getting the ball dropped in the post, and Joel is a guy who obviously takes a long time to get his offense initiated, he goes through, what, two, three different post moves practically every possession. Um, and so then it got me thinking, like, where does he stack up in the league? And so, like, I thought of a ball-dominant guy like Russell Westbrook. Well, he his unassisted shots, he's making, like, 78% of his field goals unassisted. But then if you compare him to, like, Dario or compare him even to the guy who went up against last night, Carl Anthony Towns, they only score about 20% of their field goals on unassisted plays. Uh, it's something to look at going forward. I, I think, like, the way that Joel plays is conducive to him. Like I said, it takes a while for his offense to initiate. But shooting almost – like, making almost half of your shots unassisted, he's not the guy that I necessarily want to be this ISO player. Um, he does have the skill set for it, but it is a little bit worrisome to me, especially when he's had some of the turnover issues that he's had. And I think it kind of speaks to why defenses are sending over a guard or a secondary defender on a delay to try to, you know, ch- uh, jam him up into a turnover. Um, switching gears real quick. And that was Russ's statistical breakdown, brought to you by Cozy Jewelers. Cozy. Also, we should- we should probably tease that we have we will have a new sponsor on Friday. Stop, R- Russ. Sorry, I was. Uh, by the way, Russ, I wasn't trying to dismiss what you said. I was. I was just going to switch gears because I thought it was well put. Oh, thank you so much. Sometimes you do these deep dives, and they're so like they're so comprehensive. That when I come out of them, I'm like, I don't have an opinion on this because Russ has Russ has convinced me of what it is that he aims to intend. Oh. Way back in the days of the test shows, that's what I used to do, and then I just became this fun-loving, hateable human. So yesterday, uh, I interviewed Emmett Smith. He came into the studio, and he was uh, he was there because they had an advertiser, Charmin, and the producer was in my ear, and he was like, well, all right, one more question. And then so I asked it, and then I was like, I'm asking another one, and I know Charmin wants him to leave, so wipe your ass with Charmin. It's the best. Use it. And then like afterwards, the sponsors came up to me, like, that was amazing. And I was like, what? I was like, all I'd said, okay, so what's the sponsor? Please tell me it's toilet paper because I just want to do butt puns. Well, it's actually their biggest competitor. No, Stop. No. No, uh, bad. no so we will, we will tell everybody what the sponsor is on Friday, but there, we will have a cool contest to promote. It's going to be worth $500. 
um, in gear. All you really have to do is sign up with your email address, and we're giving away $500 worth of of cool stuff that sports fans will like. So uh, we're happy. We'll be happy Ooh. to announce our second sponsor, and it will come uh, with a with a very reasonable giveaway component. You you sign up with your email address, name and email. That's it, and uh, you're entered to win five. Can we do a drawing live on Fridays or on a podcast? Yes, we will do a lot. We could do the drawing live on the pod. Uh, it won't be Friday, obviously. We'll probably take signups for like a month or so. But. Yeah, we should do it where it's like one of those things where it's like the radio where we say the name, and if they have, they have to tweet at us uh, to like claim it or something like that. Yeah, I, the only thing is they were listening. We can't. That's fair. We can't do a time thing though because uh, obviously we have no idea when the hell people are actually listening to this. True. Uh, it doesn't matter when they listen. It just matters that they do listen. Yes, they do. It also matters that they leave five star reviews on Ooh, Apple yeah. on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or wherever else you'd like Russ to leave your will reviews. Read them. So we got two. Okay. One was December eighth. Turn off the radio by the Magic Tiki. At the beginning of the summer, I went into a self imposed exile from Philly Sports Talk Radio. As much as I love Philly sports, I couldn't take the manufactured controversy and ridiculous hot takes anymore. Crossing broadcast is the perfect antidote. Kyle, Adam, and Russell have great chemistry and provide a nice mix of analysis and diverse perspectives on what's going on at the moment in Philadelphia sports scene. I like how they wander off into side topics just enough to mix it up and keep it interesting. And at 45 to 60 minutes, three times a week, you get just enough regular content to keep listening without overload. Keep up the good work, lads. Look forward to seeing how the show evolves in the future. Bob. And from Frankincense. That's fitting. Frankincense Golden Myrrh. We're getting close to Christmas, guys. Yeah, By the way, happy Mar- Hanukkah, Adam. Uh, Thank you. Good thing for your ear holes. Five stars. Really like the podcast would happily sacrifice all three hosts to repair Carson's knee. And those are your iTunes slash Apple Pods reviews. Remember, even if you do not have an Apple device, you can very easily sign up for an Apple account for free. Go on, find Crossing Broadcast, and leave a five-star review. As we said on a show that Kyle was not on, uh, when we get to 500 five-star reviews we will have a giveaway from the website wait what what did you volunteer yeah. me for <laughs> i thought no, you were gonna no, say no, i thought you were gonna say i was like gonna tweet picture of my junk I could do if we get no. 500 itunes reviews kyle scott will come to your house and will no. record from your living room at and if you're donovan <laughs> McNabb, you'll spell come really creepily no, in all capital yeah, letters I knew he was gonna say that i yeah. knew he was gonna take it there you, Russ, kyle it was, scott was will clean plate. your apartment so anyway, I gotta go. But, wait, wait! Uh, I want your wait. reaction to this before you leave, Russ. I, gotta go. uh, I, I have, have to leave too. I have to leave too. Real quick, Ooh. all right, both of you. Back page of the Daily News. Um, Colin Kaepernick is on it. <laughs> really? What does it say? Uh, hold on, I got, I got it right here. Uh, yeah. So, like, if just in case you're wondering how long it took Philly, like mainstream, to go there because we're running out of topics, the answer is what, seventy hours or whatever it is. Uh, here it is. It's like uh, I said on Monday. Ne- it's a picture of Cap kneeling. Uh, with a like kind of silhouette around him, needed with a K, get it? Because <laughs> he kneels, needed Super Bowl caliber QB to back up Foles. Anyone come to mind? Question mark. I will give everybody five hundred dollars if they could take a guess as to who wrote that. Marcus, oh, Marcus of the Hayes. House Hayes. This is it's going to be his first poop emoji post that he's getting on the website. First column poop emoji post. I'm very excited about this today. Did, uh, have you read it? Yeah, I read it yesterday. Uh, I guess it went online yesterday. I didn't realize than, it would be the back other page Other than saying, story. he's good, they should sign him. What did, what did it say? 
His just is like, if Foles, you, you have to have a backup behind Foles. If the Eagles are truly going for broke, they can't rely on Sudfeld if Foles were to go down, and to which I would say if Foles goes down, the season's over, it's fine. But, yeah, basically, like, he's good, and then he cited his stats and his touchdown, the interception, and his rushing, you know, basically just trying to make the case that he's that he's a good quarterback. And it's like, okay, yeah, like, no one's denying that he, you know, should be in the league somewhere. But that it pretty much stops at him saying this guy should be the backup if the Eagles are going for broke. He even goes so far as to don't activate him for three weeks, just have him practice so he's ready to back up starting in January. And then he says, well, he took the 49ers to the Super Bowl. You know, like all this stuff. It's, you know. It, you it know what? what? It I'll, I'll say this. One, of course, Marcus Hayes wrote that article. Two, I am in support of signing Colin Kaepernick. I think that it would be fucking awesome uh, because we would then become like the center of the sports universe, which, which we is, already are. Which uh, you're proving course, my I, argument from the other day. Well, no, no, the, no. They don't I, want to be look, the center of that. My, my argument, and I think a lot of people didn't understand is it wasn't that I disagreed that Colin Kaepernick would be a quote-unquote distraction. I'm just tired of that discussion because I've heard it so many times. There's this natural ping-pong when Kaepernick comes up of conversation, which is, is he good? Okay, he's good. But he's a distraction, and then there comes the media. And then you're talking about football. It's like, it's just, it wasn't about what you were saying, because I agreed with you. It was more, there's this eight-minute dialogue that I feel like people have to have when Kaepernick comes up that I just didn't want to have the morning after uh, Carson Wentz got injured, if you know what I mean. Like, there's like there is a game plan of talking about Kaepernick now, where I don't think anyone's actually saying anything, but they're saying the same things that we've talked about like a million times. Um, and I just thought Monday morning, I didn't think it was a Kaepernick show. I thought that was more of like a Wentz show. And now it's more the interesting thing. I think the whole thing is the relationship with Malcolm Jenkins. That to me is fascinating. Because Malcolm Jenkins is the one that gave the speech. Like, you should go watch it. Like, I thought it, he is now, in my mind, the vocal and emotional leader of this team. And if he really does have an issue with Kaepernick, then that might prevent it. But if he is in support of it, the Eagles truly are the one team that I think, other than the Seahawks, are like capable of handling it because of the Chris Longs and the Malcolm Jenkins and Jeffrey Lurie being one of only two owners to openly talk about players' rights and black activism. Like, they really are. But my thing is, is if they sign Kaepernick, like, what happens if they sign him and he never plays? Like, people right. would be so disappointed. Like, I don't, my thing would be, I don't want it to be a they sign Kaepernick and he should play over Foles because that's not the truth. Like, someone asked me on Twitter, how long would it take for him to be up to speed? And I wrote, I don't know, a year and a half? Like, up to speed means, like, learning the playbook. Is he going to be able to do, like, option left, option right? Sure. Could they use him in, like, gimmick situations early on? Okay. In four to five weeks, could he learn, like, a rudimentary amount of the playbook? But, like, are you really going to throw him in the Super Bowl after four or five weeks? No, you're going to go with Foles. But... I, I'm going to say yes, but I'm bringing Malcolm Jenkins into the office and I'm going, I need the truth. What the fuck is going on? Because you're the leader right now. See, now I took you as a staunch no on Monday. So I'm surprised. I am surprised to hear you say yeah, that. Yeah, mine was more of a, I just, 
Monday was, we have no chance because Wentz meant so much more. And now I'm a little bit too, maybe Foles can execute. Um, it's, I'm not worried about this team being distracted. I just think that Foles gives them a better chance to win than Kaepernick. No, 100%. And I think... People you know, my- compare quarterbacks in a vacuum. Like, okay, a random team, who's better, Kaepernick or Foles? I'd probably pick Kaepernick. Sure. But Kaepernick hasn't played a year. And I think the other advantage for Foles is because we've been blowing teams out, Foles has been able to play football like pretty much semi-regularly these last few weeks, like getting into games. So there is a lot of benefit to that. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't. he's only thrown you know, like t- tens to twenties of passes. But, yes, I, I agree. And he's been on a team and he's been getting reps in practice, like yeah. all those things you mentioned. And, you know, and I, your point is well taken. I understand where you're coming from on Monday now. But, the like, if you're bringing Kaepernick here to be a backup, you know your 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 odds of making the Super Bowl are, are already dwindling, and ch- you know if Foles gets hurt, like you have to say, all right, our, our top two quarterbacks got hurt. It's not in the cards this year. Like, can a guy like someone better than Sudfeld be able to come in for a few drives if Foles were to you know have to go in the medical tent and have more success than Sudfeld, a guy like Kaepernick? Yeah, sure. But like, chances are, if if there's any sort of real reasonable injury to Foles, like this is fully done anyway. So bring it in Kaepernick. Like you're just bringing, whether it's the locker room thing with Jenkins, which I agree with you. I think the Eagles are probably that locker room is is better equipped maybe than any in the league to handle it because by all accounts they are such a like it it's a great room. Like it's a it's, it's a very all inclusive veteran team. A hundred percent. So they could withstand it over the course of a season, but. You know, right now you're you're go you might be going into the playoffs still still as the odds on favorite potentially with home field advantage to make the Super Bowl. You introduce Kaepernick and you're just intru- you're just there's so much and I know the distraction and you only talk to the media, but like you're doing so much now in terms of stuff that you don't want to be thinking about, focused on, worried about all this stuff for a backup quarterback who probably wouldn't even play like that. To me, that's the calculation. Like, you could have the argument whether they're better or not, but it's like, all right, you're just you're taking on so much by Kaepernick that it, it's not worth it's not worth it for a backup on it. You know, it's worth it maybe over the course of a season, but yeah. like you're you're in you're now in Super Bowl mode. You got five weeks to to try and play yourselves into the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm looking at, at it like this. I also look at people never think about. Okay, so if you sign Kaepernick, that means you're also cutting somebody. And I'm looking at every other position right now and going, we need to maintain the depth at these spots because depth everywhere is becoming an issue as well. Just injuries and getting banged up. Doesn't there Carson is- going on IR open up that spot? Or am I, do I misunderstand the you IR might, I think I think you actually might be right. I think they actually yes. brought up somebody already. Okay. I do think, though, well, but I mean, but, the, but if you bring in Kaepernick, you have to take somebody else off, is what I'm saying. Yeah. And there's also the part of me that goes... Just from like a, a sports loyalist, I want the 53 that have been fighting all season to get the ring. You know, I don't want someone to lose their chance at getting that if it were to happen. But then there is the notion, man, if you want to just completely throw off your opponent's Super Bowl week, if you sign Kaepernick in those two weeks and make a Belichick or someone start game planning how they could possibly use Kaepernick and make them use any of their timing to think about game planning for Kaepernick, even for like 
five minutes. You know, no one's game planning for Nate Sudfeld. So if you fucking go back there and Belichick is having to watch Kaepernick tape, that's pretty dope. You know, I, I kind of like that a little bit. It's a little gamesmanship. And everyone's answering questions about Kaepernick on, on the other team, too. You know, that's the thing that people don't realize. It's not just the Eagles having to answer questions. The other team is having to answer questions, too. And they're kind of being all over the place. So um, I'd like to do it just because I think it's been such an interesting year in terms of the storylines that have been coming around this team. But at the same point, I am focused on Foles and his ability to make those third down passes. But uh, I just think, of course, Marcus Hayes wrote the article because, you know, he is the, he likes to stir controversy. Um, and you know and take that road yeah no when i saw the headline yesterday when i saw the tweet yesterday i was like that's got it that's got to be marcus hayes but that's where we are now today's wednesday and we have the kaepernick on the cover of the paper like when i you know and when i say the distraction thing like they haven't even called him and he's on the cover of the paper like that's you know this thing is like a powder keg from the from the blogger standpoint you know this would be great like are you kidding? Like, this is a gift to blogging. A Super Bowl run with the added, you know, sidecar of Kaepernick. This is crazy. But as a fan, you know, and as a team, like, I, I don't I don't know if he does you any good. And, I, like, I don't know. I just think the whole thing would hurt more than it helps at this point. And that's not has nothing to do with his stance. It's just, like, it, it, it's what's going to come with him. And, and honestly, like, I don't know. If, if is he really going to win a game having learned, you know, had two weeks to spend with the playbook? Like you're, you're asking, you know, now we're really like down the rabbit hole of talking ourselves into things. You know, we went from the potential MVP to, and you know, not to throw any water on what you just said, but talking about Bill Belichick planning for Colin Kaepernick in the Super Bowl. Like we're right. already here. It's, it, it's uh, pretty yeah. crazy though, that I think we have the better quarterback on Sunday. I think Nick Foles yes. is better than Eli Manning is right now. At this point. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Which is pretty awesome. I would agree with that. I can, I'm, le- I'm still leaning on my Nick Foles-Jeff Fisher thing. Like, I'm, I, that's, if there's one thing I'm, like, falling back on to really talk myself into right. that, it's like, wait a minute, Jared Goff turned out to be pretty good. Case Keenum turned out to be pretty good. And the other thing is, the scariest team is, you know, arguably the Vikings. Vikings are Saints, whatever. But, you know, Vikings in terms of odds and record are, are probably the next best team. Their quarterback's Case Keenum. You know, that's another team that lost essentially two starting quarterbacks from, you know, their canonical versions of themselves. And their starting running back. Right. So, like, if in the playoffs here, it's like, all right, yeah, we're without our guy, but they're without their guy, and we have potentially, like, pretty evenly matched quarterbacks here it's you know yeah, it's the thing that sucks is just our guy was so much better than everybody else's guy correct i yep yep you know yep uh i'll say this though like i don't even need to look at nick Foles's long-term stats all i really want to look at is think about he got dropped into a situation into a game where the eagles were losing against a team that was that if the other team had won would probably be a contender to take away their home field advantage spot and Nick Foles won the game granted there was the interception but he finished that drive he got a few first downs he got us in the field goal range and then he got us a first down when we absolutely had to have it on third down like for him to get dropped into his first real meaningful game action and we win the game, 
I don't know. Like that is really meaningful to me because that's the kind of football we need in the play down the stretch. Is we don't need you to make the incredible throws, but let our running game, kicking game, and defense win the game. And that's exactly what he did in in a really clutch crunch time situation. The question I'll is, take is, it. Yeah, the question is: is doing you know just managing the game over the course of a game going to win you games? But I, I think he's he's more than a game manager. Like I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to oversell him here, but like he can make he can make throws. Like you know, there's been several several of the Aguilar touchdowns this year, and even one you know I think one of Jeffries. Like a couple of the long ones have been wide open receivers. Foles makes those throws. Um, now, granted, on a couple Wentz has evaded would be yes, that would is be tacklers. The, yeah. But Wentz is also, you know, Foles is fairly accurate. I mean, say what you want about him, but Wentz has also missed some wide open plays this year, including three on Sunday. I don't know if a wide open, but he made three pretty bad throws early Sunday. You know, Foles Foles probably makes two of those three free, th- two of those three fro- fro- fuck. You get it. And you that know, like, is the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the extent of it. But, you know, it's not like – it's totally doable. He is capable to throw touchdown passes. It's not – you know, watching him throw to Riley Cooper on – you know, watching those 2013 highlights, something about Chip's offense that year left guys wide open. A lot of those – a good number of those 27 touchdowns were guys who were just, like, wide open. And it's kind of remarkable how open certain guys were. But – there were others where, like, they were legitimately good throws. He's not – this guy's, like, he's not a piece of shit back there. He's, he's not going to turn the ball over a lot, and, and he can make a throw. Problem is he can't, he can't extend plays, and he doesn't have the, 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 you know, the rocket hanging off of his arm that Wentz does to, you know, hit that nope. tight window. But, but Nick Foles has a rocket hanging out somewhere else. He sure does. And big, that is the hog. Crossing Broadcast. Uh, for Russell Joy at Joy on Broad, for Kyle Scott at Crossing Broad, uh, I am Adam Lefko at Adam Lefko. Scott, go fuck yourself. Uh, we are having a new sponsor on Friday. It'll have a $500 awesome shit giveaway. Shout out to Cozy Jewelers. Cozy, it's not in the city. It's down there in Newtown Square. It's awesome. Uh, you should go there and you should buy stuff. Right, Kyle? You should. I appreciate how you say down there, coming from New York, down there in Newtown Square. I've never heard of down in Del. Well, I guess I guess you could be down in Delco if you're in Bucks County. There you County. go. There you go. Uh, like all right, guys, hit us up. Russell, read your iTunes comments. Friday, we'll give our predictions for the game. We'll do some more recap on all the Sixers and the Phillies and the Flyers. Phillies signing a relief pitcher. Uh, I don't know if he's good. I don't know if Kyle knows if he's good. I don't know if I care. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll talk to you on Friday. Enjoy your day.